Hey guys, welcome back to Mono Talk. We're back again on another random time, slowly getting back to normal. Yeah, we're in person now. Yeah, we're, yes, we're actually in person. It's like the first time. Back in the recording studio. Yes. Um, so that's exciting. It's it's weird. Very weird. Slowly, <laughs> I know. I I I didn't want to like start talking about COVID stuff right off the bat, but that's literally what we were talking about right before. I mean, it's just part of the culture. Yeah. I feel like it's, I feel like it's weird not to. I mean, even in my, we were just talking about my job. But like every day, I have customers coming and tell me that they're getting vaccinated, mm-hmm. which is good. But like, yeah, it's very broadly discussed now. Yeah. Which is, I guess, kind of nice. Yeah, know? we were just talking about. Um, I'm going to New York next week, and we were talking about like flying procedures and all of that kind of stuff. So it's a weird time, but stuff seems to be slowly. Yeah. Getting back to it, today we're recording, it's March 18th. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should document that. It's March 18th, March 2021. 18th. Yeah. The pandemic is still happening. It's been over a year. Wait, when did it When did it officially start in January? So it's been, well, it's been over a year. In my mind, March 14th marks it because that's when I flew back from East Coast yeah. to West Coast. And um, it was already really affecting the East Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, New York was really bad. But apparently, I don't know. I don't remember when don't they first the knew about timeline. it. I feel like for the for Asia, it was like December. Yeah. And then for us, it really hit. Like, it started becoming a threat January, February, I feel like. I feel like. Yeah, I, I think that know. we were ill-informed. Who really knows? Dr. Fauci, I'm sure one day we'll write a tell-all that would be fascinating. Could you imagine, like, I mean, I know you're not going to have kids, but you no. have stepkids. Yeah. And also, like, who knows if I have kids? Would you imagine, like, talking to them about this if they haven't, li- like, remember living through it? That would be, it would be bizarre. It'd be so weird. Especially if everything at that point, like, the... It's so advanced. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do wonder, like, something I've been thinking of is how long will people keep the mask thing after it's no longer mandatory because I can actually see this something a lot of people just adopting in their regular lives if they're immune deficient or if they just don't freaking want people to spit on them yeah like there's days I am actually like I'm so glad I get to wear a mask because I just don't want to I was watching I don't have a TikTok because I I just haven't given in yet but a lot of them get uploaded to Instagram so I was watching one who was a physician I can't remember his name now but he was saying that like Basically, they he predicts that they're just going to become, like, a regular part of society. Mm-hmm. Not every day, but in terms of, like, if you're on a really crowded, like, max train or, like, in public transit, you're probably going to put a mask on. Yeah. Because you, there's just a lot of people around you. Yeah. Or, like, flying on a plane is probably going to be a little more common. Yeah. Almost like how a lot of the Eastern and Asian culture has adopted wearing them a lot. Mm-hmm. In public. I feel like it might... I don't think it'll become as big of a thing, specifically in the very far west, aka us. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I feel like Europe and over it's gonna become more like slightly normalized because people are just gonna be more aware. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping here that it will, um, like, let's say when flu season comes back yeah, around, I when this is kind then. of died down, mm-hmm. I hope that people are like, you know what, I'm gonna go to Target, I'm gonna put my mask on. Yeah. But not having the mandate will be nice. I was, you know, just a retail worker moment. I was talking to my coworkers about that yesterday because we were like, well, I wonder what happens when the official state mandate gets rolled back, but certain retailers still enforce it. 
And I was saying that's going to be very difficult because mm-hmm. right now when we basically yell at people for not wearing masks properly, we lean into the fact that one, it's a, it's a company policy for my work, but also that it's a state mandate. Mm-hmm. And I've seen other stores where it's not a state mandate, but for them it's a company policy. Mm-hmm. And there's people who will stand outside and be like, it's not a state mandate. And they'll like protest, protest it. And it's <sighs> like, yeah, but you still like, are entering my business. So yeah. you're entering the contract of my business, which is like, you have to wear that. It's the shoes, shirts, no service whole thing. Yeah, so it's still, we feel like it might become more difficult to police people. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is already very difficult in general. No yeah. matter how you fall on the mask scale, telling people to like wear it properly is a, a very annoying and you become... You hate people. Yeah. <laughs> like, you hate people. That's Even point. more than, like, retail working already. Like, you already... You start to really just, like, yeah. oh, man, what's this going to be? And I'm like, I hate that, but that's what it's turned into with yeah. certain people. With certain It'll, groups. I think it will be interesting because companies that I pay a lot of attention to in terms of, like, social values and mm-hmm. how well they stick to it are mm-hmm. Target. I pay te- a lot of attention to Nordstrom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see those businesses sticking with a mask policy, even if the state doesn't mandate it anymore. Yeah. Or at least, um, well, actually, that makes me think, like, I wonder if there will ever be a way for people who are vaccinated to go about in the world maskless while the rest of the people still have to wear them. Or, honestly, they know. should just have to wear them because people... I think... I don't know. Anyways. COVID. <laughs> it's just, like, a never-ending topic. It's kind of a part of what we're talking about today. It but is on the topic of wearing masks yes. in settings and yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. um, I want to give a big shout out to um, Alex Child for baggage, shot baggage. Yes. So we've talked about her before in the past, mm-hmm. worked with her. Um, she helped us style our first model talk, like promo shoot. Yes. Her business used to be Shop the Luggage Cart. Mm-hmm. And um, she's changed the name to Baggage, which is really cute it's, it's like a cute. whole play like on it. the turn on the the idea of like having baggage mm-hmm. coming and um i was lucky to be part of her first campaign but also just do some e-commerce stuff for her which first off i don't know how she's gonna like put everything she owns up online have you been to her house oh, yeah it's so much stuff yeah i was there for the shoot and it's, it's so like at much least six racks which is really awesome opportunity for her to like open the door too to like all types of models like yeah, i've given her stuff before that yeah she we were actually talking like about you last things, time i was there yeah. yeah or nicer designer things that i knew that consignment would maybe say yes to but i was like i'd rather give it to her mm-hmm. it's like yeah yeah so my consignment shop's out of business now so i might be giving more to alex <laughs> <laughs> not like my random things but like my nicer things. yeah so definitely like, someone can someone can still wear it you know when it's like I don't want to take it to Goodwill because I feel like it could have another life. But like at this point now, I know a lot of small businesses, AKA consignment shops are going out of business. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, where do I take it? Alex will take some of that. <laughs> like, <laughs> and on that topic too, she partnered with Scrap PDX, which is a place in downtown Portland where you can, I mean, literally take your scraps. And so if you have like a bunch of random, I don't want to be specific. You can go online and see what they're accepting donations for. But if you Mm -hmm. have a bunch of random somethings, like a bunch of just random hair accessories, they'll take that and they'll sort it out for you and sell it. Interesting. Um, That's cool. But 
I mean, there's I, also Dress for Success, by the way, yeah. which has a location in Portland. They'll take a lot of um, nicer workwear. Yeah, because even I've read that even things with like little rips or little holes, like they'll mend it. You can patch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like on that topic, I think something that's been cool to watch is the transition during the pandemic from buying new to supporting local and taking like a real Mm -hmm. hard shift towards Mm -hmm. supporting local Mm -hmm. in a very like not life or death but like doors open or doors closed kind of a situation Mm -hmm. yeah i agree i think it's um i mean we live around portland so obviously it's been in the news a lot and i work downtown specifically Mm -hmm. and i think the narrative of downtown has gotten skewed a lot from when it was very intense to the point now where everyone thinks every day it's very intense and it's not. Mm -hmm. And it's very sad to see some of those like businesses being heavily affected by it or not even the intensity, just like random people being assholes, honestly. Mm -hmm. Well, the homeless population has gotten way, way... I mean, I want to say out of control. It was already out of control. Uh, Yeah, Portland's homeless population was already very rough, but we did have... We have at least two homeless shelters that I'm aware of that have enough space to take an amount of people in. I don't know how much. I don't know. But then when those closed early COVID, Mm -hmm. that was very rough because everybody was on the street. I know that the city of Portland made... A ti- we had like a tiny homes initiative on the east side there is a lot that's used a lot for like I think of it as like the Cirque du Soleil lot because that's where like <laughs> they would put the tent for when mm-hmm. they would come yeah. but they built all these little tiny homes I think there's like 50 there's not a huge amount but they did that yeah. and they made it as like a makeshift homeless village and I don't know if they're all full but I drove by that the other day and I was like that's actually really nice and I know that that was when I was in high school so this was a while ago there's an initiative from our prior mayor not our current one to make a tiny house village for the homeless population that was could be vetted enough to where they could like Mm -hmm. apply to get one and it was gonna be in one of our larger parks they were gonna Mm -hmm. take out like a section of it it didn't pass but it was up on like the docket and it was like specifically for homeless veterans Mm -hmm. or people who had at least been like very like trying to hustle with the job market and you could apply to get one and if you met the requirements Mm -hmm. you would get one so it wasn't like a give a give a A home away situation it's it's um, scary. It's only been very rough, though. Only yeah. 20% of people who qualify for housing assistance actually get it. Yeah. And so even if you have a house and you qualify, but you don't get it, you end up... This is a subject I could go on and on. And living in Portland has given me such conflicting... It's, it's a big... It's, very it's a big thing. Difficult. We're just going to ramble on this episode. I know. And it's affecting... I don't know. But, like... Yeah, as someone who works in it every day, it's very difficult because, like, and I've felt like this for my whole retail career because I've, there's been a homeless population everywhere I've Mm -hmm. worked, but, like, there's a, like, a 50-50 of, like, I feel a lot of empathy for these people and I feel terrible for them and there's moments where I am, like, if you just could get any form of, like, psychiatric help Mm -hmm. I feel like that would be so much for you or even just like a level of stability Mm -hmm. but then there's also the other side where a lot of it is affected by like addiction Mm -hmm. and mental health issues because like the store I'm in right now there's like a couple that come into our store often or interact with us that I know are not there 
at all. Like, mm-hmm. in any capacity. Like, potentially mentally, on drugs or... Mentally gone. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. I don't think... There is there is a group that addiction is heavily involved yeah. in. Yeah. And, like... And how they get there is sometimes who, simply because they were homeless. Yeah, trying who knows uh, how they got there. That group is... I have is more difficult to interact with because again, like they're on a substance. So you don't Mm -hmm. really know what's going to happen. The people who are clearly just have some mental health issues. I feel very bad for because like with the Reagan administration, when they closed all Mm -hmm. of the mental health facilities, I was like, you just need to be in one of those. And literally bust people to Portland to get them out of other cities. I'm like, you just need to be in one of those and you just need someone to probably get Mm -hmm. you on a level of stability, maybe with some medication. And I think you could probably live in society decently well. Mm -hmm. Like, you might still need help. But there's one woman who specifically interacts with us a lot. And I'm like, you just need that. Yeah, they just need And the problem is, no one's going to give it to you, unfortunately. You're kind of stuck. And, like, it's very sad. And then there's also people that come in... (laughs) cracked out on meth and yeah. I'm like I don't want to deal with you because I don't know what's going to happen when I deal with you mm-hmm. um so there's like a weird so level of factors. like self-defense mm-hmm. with it especially as a woman and then also yeah. a lot of empathy because I do genuinely yeah. feel bad for a lot of them and like want to help them but then it's unfortunate this makes me sound so terrible but it's unfortunate to think if I extend a level of like not just human kindness, mm-hmm. but any form of, like, courtesy in terms of, like, if I gave them a dollar. Mm-hmm. It sometimes just makes you, like, a target. And it's, like, I don't need to be followed down the street just because I gave you a dollar. Like, yeah, it's that know? concept of, um, and especially women. Like, I'll still women. be polite to them. And yeah. very nice to them, but yeah. It's the concept, and I think this rings really true for women, mm-hmm. but, like, our kindness gets mistaken for weakness. Yes, Um, a lot of the time and it's just applicable everywhere but to bring it back to fashion things like dress for success that are very specifically geared towards Mm -hmm. yeah um maybe one day we should do an episode on all of the fashion or like the organizations surrounding those kinds of things dress for success for a little she really liked it they have women come in who qualify usually it's when they're going to a job fair or have an interview and they come in and basically get like a whole it reminds me of like what not to wear in terms of like makeover day yeah they get like a whole makeover day and i think it's very like cool and sweet and Mm -hmm. a lot of these women are just like they're great and they just need a little bit of help yeah they probably don't have the financial needs to go out and buy that super nice like workwear they just need a professional outfit exactly and like, to get them in the door. Right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so that would be fun to look into we those. Could do that. Because I know that they do it for prom dresses, for high schoolers. Who There's are... a lot of people, not just here, but even um, like all over the U.S. I know there's a uh-huh. lot of organizations that do like prom dress yeah. dresses for free or you pay like half the cost of what it would be. Right. Or, something or like brides that. for a cause. Yeah. There's so much. That would be a really good episode to do. Mm-hmm. But today we're talking about like. Fashion. Fashion and <laughs> runways, fashion week, high fashion. Yeah. Um, and the effect that we've seen with okay. the past I mean, yeah. now it's been three fashion weeks during the pandemic. If they even happened. That's all like spring twenty twenty for showing fall twenty twenty happened, happened in Paris. Recently. But that like really overlapped last year. Fashion week September twenty twenty. We just had one recently. Was there-ish, yeah. And then yeah. that's where I got most of my stuff from because it is 2021 uh, Paris Fashion Week. Yeah. And um, 
I don't know, I found a lot of really interesting things about what's changing, what trends that we're seeing, and um, what's happening. Yeah. One thing that I, like, talked to Nicole about before we started is, like, talking about not to harp on masks, but how masks in terms of fashion were Mm -hmm. being displayed because there was a mixture, I think, with the runways with if a designer was going to design an outfit with a mask or -hmm. without it because you also saw people getting creative with how they had their runway shows. Like, I think of Balmain for, I think that was fall. Mm -hmm. They just had people, they had monitors set up all over the stands with people on webcams watching, Mm -hmm. and so none of the models wore masks because, honestly, it was probably a very small group of people interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. Everybody else probably wore them, but the models, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how we, what we've seen. Yeah. Oh, that's why I was shouting out baggage, because they all kept their masks masks on. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it's been. I mean, I know Nicole and I haven't worked a huge amount Mm in this pandemic, but anytime we've been on shoots, that's kind of how it's been. Um, yep. behind the scenes is like everyone else wears a mask and I like I've worn a mask until I get in the makeup chair and then I tend to like take it off because yeah. you gotta fix things and when you're on set you do that but that's kind of how it's been mm-hmm. um, because unless your outfit is like styled around a mask um, which is cool I haven't done any with that recently I mm-hmm. kind of imagine that that's probably going to come up though in yeah. like these new years but then we saw the what was that spring with Christian Siriano where all of his models wore masks oh, in his yeah. collection because he Last designed September. it as like a whole outfit idea. Mm-hmm. So I feel like people have gotten kind of creative with the mask situation or they do it to the extent of Balmain where it's like, mm-hmm. we don't want anybody there except who needs to be there yeah. because we kind of want this work to speak for itself. Like, mm-hmm transcendent of the pandemic, which I can understand like both sides. Yeah. That. Paris fashion week, New York Fashion Week, they brought a lot of really interesting things to the table this year. And one of them being everything was online. So the exclusivity of invite only runway Mm -hmm. faded away and you could watch everything in real time at home. Mm -hmm. Um, They I was so I was kind of looking through different show pictures and stuff before Mm -hmm. you got here. And there was so many things that I like realized were happening um one thing that i came across that that i thought was kind of cool was these digital runways Mm -hmm. are now evolving into like you'll see a lot more video collections where the designers get up close and show off the clothing on Mm -hmm. video Mm -hmm. which is usually something that buyers really only get the opportunity to do post runway yeah um and so backstage really yeah Mm -hmm. and Uh, trend prediction has become incredibly difficult. And so what we see now is, A, a lot of major fashion houses not doing two runways a year, not doing two massive collections, and then a bunch of collections in between. So like Alexander McQueen was not at Paris Fashion Week. Yeah. But a lot of places are now designing see now, wear now. Yeah. They're they're designing for the season. For anybody who doesn't know... In spring, so this February, it was fall collections Mm -hmm. for 2021 being shown. And now it seems to be a shift. Like, why not celebrate what's about to be on the racks? I think it makes more sense because this day and age, 
you can hop online and buy anything really. It's, it's a not fast a buyer's yeah. Like you want it very quickly. Yeah, and I think it keeps them from having to continually come out with clothing and garments throughout the year. I don't think you need to. I think I you can either. do two big ones and yeah. leave it alone. Like, I think so, or even one big one yeah. and then a smaller. I've been reading a lot of that from different different brands, but um, the runways themselves, mm-hmm. audience-free, mm-hmm. you're getting really cool, dramatic, quote-unquote, end-of-runway images. Yeah. I where the model can, like, interact. Theor- theoretical. Well, yeah, theatrical. theatrical. <laughs> <laughs> so I would suggest people check out Fendi's show. Um, age inclusion. They had all ages. And I figured out why I think this age inclusion is starting to happen. We're mm-hmm. over 31, 35. Like, it's not seen as a negative anymore is because the original supermodels are aging and they're still working yeah and that's exciting but yeah Mm -hmm. and i think oh crap christy brinkley no it wasn't christy brinkley dang it she wasn't well kate moss walked for fendi and that so kate moss has like never stopped i know like there was a lot of gender bending in the Fendi show. So mm-hmm. all the, like, the masculine and feminine models, yeah, they mm-hmm. all had the same hair. They had, um, I want to say men, or at least masculine people wearing gowns. That was really fun. I and then like color that. and size. Mm-hmm. And I know, I do too. It's a, it's also really cool to see, like, a feminine garment on a more masculine frame. Yeah. Because it's a different perspective of how the item can look. It's And some like, women, some people who identify as women have that more masculine yeah. frame, and they need to see. Like, think of a female athlete. Like, yeah. Like, like Serena Williams. Serena, when she designed her clothing line, was like, I, I, I know a lot of it was because there was less inclusion in the female, like, sports garment lines but mm-hmm. also she just technically like, designed it a lot for women who like are toned and have muscle because they mm-hmm. work out and they're these female athletes like look at a female gymnast she, yeah they're all muscle they can't i one of my friends in high school was a competitive gymnast like mm-hmm. i don't think she ever would have gone to olympics but she made it to college competitive gymnastics and i remember we were looking at prom dresses in high school and it was so difficult because yeah. she had like very large shoulders because she was, like, constantly working out and, yeah. like, putting her body through the rigor. And so it's, besides just, like, gender inclusion, it's more body type inclusion. Yeah, because, like, your not, proportions change. Yeah, your waist is really is, small, like, but then... Slender and thin. Yeah. Or there's some that are very slender and thin. Mm-hmm. And that, they're even, like, not thinner, but, like, more petite in frame than the the accepted slender yeah they're more know? of a what would you say kind of like a boxier shape where yeah. it's not the hourglass or yeah, whatever so yeah. that was cool to see um chanel's also looked very cool and they included a lot more like imagery from their actual factories and the stuff being made i like watching that yeah, yeah. their end of end of runway shots were like more candid and fun mm-hmm. they were less diverse i noticed that almost immediately well, chanel's never been good at diversity yeah Sorry. um <laughs> yeah I, truth, i'm not though. particularly familiar with like the brand's evolution in terms of like I... race inclusion and stuff i haven't been yeah. aware of that I will to my say, own detriment for too long. I but. will say, since Carl Lagerford has passed away, I was intrigued to see, like, I think it was Sophie something, I can't remember her name, who took over his position as mm-hmm. head designer. And I was interested to see where it was going to go, because he, we've talked about it many times, he very publicly came out and he said he would only use skinny models. Mm-hmm. 
and they tend to lean in just to the skinny white girl trope a lot. I mean, you occasionally see other women of other ethnicities and other races in there, but I find they tend to go for, like, the dichotomy. So if they have a very pale white girl, they will have a very dark black Mm -hmm. girl. So they go to almost the opposite ends of the spectrum, but don't show any of the middle. Like, that's what I've noticed with them with their campaigns. It's, like this big heavy contrast which yes is like pretty from an art perspective and at least there's but when do you fall into the whole checking off boxes but i feel like it's checking off boxes in some view. but like yeah chanel's never been for that for the diversity (laughs) images i went through from their show i can say i saw like more of a color variety than stark you know complete differences but comparing it i looked at fendi first and Fendi then I looked at Chanel and I was like, diversity, oh. I will say. Like, yeah. I was, yeah. Fendi's was so cool. They had like all these glass walls and then the models like stopped to interact with different like things during Ooh, the show. So some cool. of the pictures are like posed yeah. type. Fo- oh, it was I really good. I will say, even though Chanel has not good diversity, which they should need to work on, mm-hmm. the concepts that Carl would come up with where they would like, the like the grocery store one, mm-hmm. like, they, like it's great. Yeah. It's great for like live art. Yeah. Because you could see them like just being normal people. Exactly. Like, on a runway. So those were great yeah. for those concepts. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see how Carolina Herrera was another one I looked at. It mm-hmm. stopped me because I just loved the collection. It mm-hmm. just was like, Mm-hmm. really cute and they were interviewing Wes Gordon who mm-hmm. now is the head I didn't verify that actually he was speaking in the article this. but he made a comment ordinary moments extraordinary that's what fashion does is it takes these like really ordinary things like clothing that you wear every day and then they find a way to make it extraordinary so like a runway or whatever but that is still accessible online and in a lot of different like formats. And I think mm-hmm. now it's just exploring those and making digital mm-hmm. fashionable. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like trend prediction, it is very difficult. I will say oversized. I read that oversized one. <laughs> sweater vests for oh god sweater. I know. <laughs> um, what I think for what I'm seeing as someone who oh wait hold on, the new head designer for Chanel is. Virginia Vard. I don't think I'm saying that right. But it's a woman. <laughs> so that's... Yeah. So there you go. Because um, I wasn't... They hadn't picked someone for a while once Carl passed. Her. Yeah. I remember it was like a big... What is it? Fashion TV on YouTube? Or something like... They'll go behind runways a lot. Oh. Do you know who I'm talking about? I, can't I don't remember. know specifically, but I've... But like you've seen mm-hmm. it, right? I think it's mm-hmm. fashion TV or something. There was like a whole couple of videos about like who's the next designer and their predictions for who Chanel was going to pick because like he had such heavy shoes to fill uh-huh. like in terms of because yeah. usually this is a whole nother side topic but people who are like iconic in the industry tend to just get moved to different houses yeah like John Galliano got John Galliano got moved to a bunch of different mm-hmm. houses Mark Jacobs started as the designer for a different company before mm-hmm. he made his own company so usually they tend to get moved yeah. around a lot as creative directors or head designers and then end up making their own brand at certain points so they were unsure for a while who mm-hmm. was going to take the lead because Carl was the longest running yeah house designer I think of any major I think so fashion brand because like we talked about yeah. him I, 
an icon. I mean, yeah. You know, not the best person. Right. Wise, but There's an icon. I think something really you interesting. Can separate him from his work, at least. Yeah, I yeah. think something that's really interesting that is coming, at least to me, coming out of this pandemic, and then of course with Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. and all of these movements and paying really close attention to something I really heavily disagree with, which is cancel culture. Mm-hmm. How do we move forward and separate uh, and, and look at people yeah. who, I mean, very publicly have made some pretty, like, fucked up mistakes, yes. but extend the opportunity because they're human? Or, like, mm-hmm. when and where does all of that start? Mm-hmm. And not even just... You know, it could be with anything, racism, sexism, um, just inappropriateness in any form. Yeah, I think with me, uh, how I've decided is it depends on, like, the genuineness of the understanding of the mistake. Yeah, like the reaction to when they're called out kind of a thing. Because this sounds terrible, and it's not to give people credit, but, like, I'm going to be honest, there's some people that live in enough of a bubble and have maybe had enough of a morphed reality in their own little world that it takes a public reaction to be like, you Mm -hmm. shouldn't do that, and then being like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. And we can say that they should have known this whole time. And yeah, they should have, but sometimes it takes the voice of the people Mm -hmm. to like reach the heavy levels of society. And so... To me, it's the, the genuineness of the action of how they move next. Because yeah. you can say all you want. Like, I think... <laughs> it's terrible. But I think of, like, YouTuber apologies and how terrible they oh, are most yeah. of the time. And a lot of them will use the words, like, oh, I... The few good ones will be, like, I am giving you this apology, but it's really my actions that will prove that yeah. I have changed. And I'm like, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Yes, you should say sorry. Yeah. Because, like, I, people are owed that. Yeah, usually, you make a statement as to why it's wrong yeah, so people can usually learn. Usually, I'm not the group that would have been affected at that point. So I'm like, yeah, you owe it to those people. And it's not my point to sit here and say you mm-hmm. owe it to those people because that's I'm not the group that's affected. I'm not the one you're apologizing to. But it's your actions that are the uh-huh. next move. Like, and so... It's really saying that, or at that point, I feel like you have to do a Carl Lagerfeld and be unapologetically that level of stubborn. As lo- yeah. Because and that's kind of what he was. <laughs> I think the important factor there is like, I mean, yeah, you, you can be as them. ignorant and everything as you want, but understand the minute you, s- you. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, this, I... What am I trying to say? There are definitely things people can do and have done that require immediate, like, just dismissal. Like, you know, you, whatever. Oh, for sure. And then, I mean, we get into things like sexual assault and all of that where it, it, it can be very confusing. But I agree with the, like, genuine reaction, apology, and then, like, the longevity of it. Well, like, think about from a brand perspective. Like, H&M, God, how long ago was that? When they got called out because they're a Swedish brand. They're based in Sweden. Mm -hmm. And they did that, wasn't it, like, a kid's T-shirt or sweatshirt that was said, like, crazy like a monkey or party like a monkey. And then it was on a little boy, African-American model. And so Mm -hmm. they were like, that is racism Mm -hmm. or it's a heavy microaggression because you're putting it on a race that was called monkeys as a derogatory term and still are by some people and they still are and this brand came out and it seemed very genuine that they were like we're based in sweden there's not a huge amount of diversity Mm -hmm. that's like so our bad we're very sorry i think they pulled it from production Mm -hmm. or something like that so like 
that's one where it's like, yeah, you lived in your bubble and you maybe should have been more aware, but at least you were like, we lived in our bubble and we're fixing it. Yeah. You know? so and it, fixing it how people are asking to be, yeah, it to like, be fixed. I it, think that's a big... Apology. Yeah. I'm not doing that again. Listen to the community yeah. that you offended and do what they're asking you to do. Yeah. To bring this back to trends. And that... I mean, applies to us as well and yeah. everybody out there mm-hmm. and back to trends. To pull it back to trends, though, uh, there's been a huge, because of Black Lives Matter getting reignited, because I'm not saying it started because it's been started. It got reignited heavily, mm-hmm. within, especially in the bounds of the pandemic. A lot of major companies, and I will say also small businesses, have focused heavily on black artists. Mm-hmm. Artists like, of color. Yeah. Um, I know that the company I work for has. Mm-hmm. We have a whole feature on it, which I think, I mean, people can take it whichever way they want to, but I will say it's being highlighted at the very least when before it would maybe only be highlighted in like Women's History Month. Or maybe, African, yeah. Or, or Black History Month. Right. Versus just having, right now, a constant highlight, which who knows how long it's going to last, mm-hmm. but it's at least something. It needs to be highlighted, I think, until there starts becoming a more equal level playing field out there mm-hmm. where Especially businesses... Especially for black women in business. Yeah, yeah, where businesses need to be more mindful of the variety of the creators of the stuff they're selling. I mm-hmm. mean, Target has a black-owned businesses specific... I mean... I shop on their app a lot. I haven't been into stores a whole Nordstrom lot. Nordstrom has it too on their app Yeah, now. and um, mm-hmm. Etsy. I've been doing so Etsy much too. Etsy shopping, mm-hmm. and they've done it. And it's it's definitely starting to expand out to minorities as well because I want to, like, address the, I mean, Everything. the hatred towards Asians and what's happening right With now. COVID, that's ridiculous. Insane. Oh, my People, gosh. It, the percentage, it went up, like... Did we go back like, to World War Two when we were, like, uh, scared of everybody? It like, went back up. Calm or, down. Like the um, Asian hate crimes went up 730% since March of last year. Ridiculous. And with the horrible, like, I mean, I, I personally, I don't want to put my opinion on you, but what happened recently where um, Mm -hmm. eight people were shot and killed Mm -hmm. at the, the um, nail salons and the Asian owned businesses um, was terrorism, was white terrorism. And no, it's a form of uh, yeah. what's it? Domestic terrorism. Domestic, yeah. and then the fact that the that they're white, um, and it it's, it's so. Ugh. It's very unfortunate because yeah. like, um, I remember studying about this in what was it? I did an IB geography class, and it's usually when there's very extreme. It actually linked to climate change, but it's mm-hmm. like when climate change starts getting extreme, your political endpoints start to get more extreme because there's a lot of fear involved, and then that rises up to the masses of all these other issues mm-hmm. that pop up. And we're like living that also with because then your environment gets more extreme, aka a pandemic, and so that pushes people to one end of the or the other in terms of trying to find a level of like safety and control. Yeah, this is just a theory, by the way, but. You can see part of that being played out because we can't speak to other countries as much. I can slightly speak to the UK because I have many friends over there. Mm -hmm. And so it's just from like a second opinion. But like here, if we're talking about mass, it became like a very political issue very quickly. Mm -hmm. And when it really didn't need to be. and Shouldn't uh, have been. Shouldn't have been. And same with... um, 
I know the UK had some issues with that. It seems like not as much as here. Yeah. Um, and we kind of talked about that a little at one point in one episode, I think, where we had talked about how in just Eastern culture in general, mm-hmm. it's more of a a herd or group mentality. So that's why, besides the pollution, people tend to wear masks over there when they're sick because yeah. they don't want to get the group sick or the yeah. herd sick. Mm-hmm. And so it's more of a group mentality versus Western culture is very individualized. Actually, I think I talked about this in a college class when because I was in college still with the pandemic and we yeah. still had in-person classes and we were talking about this, how here the transition to masks was going to be very difficult because people live such an individualistic mindset Mm -hmm. um and it still has been and so it's interesting i think with fashion too it's interesting the perspective people have taken on do i put my collection do i make masks for my collection yeah do i not make masks for my collection this extra accessory that's literally never been considered before yeah because also i've worked in retail forever now Mm -hmm. and then in the pandemic Every brand was like, let's make masks. Mm -hmm. Almost every brand. I have masks from every brand in my store. It's a level of ridiculous almost because also the (laughs) designer masks make no Mm -hmm. sense to me. Why are you spending that much money on a face mask? But I guess the the new accessory. So I think people have embraced it in some way in terms of like now it's reaching to the level of like let's make a Chanel face mask, yeah. right? Or, make the most of it. Or people don't care at all, and they just get the, you know, the crappy, like, a paper mm-hmm. and use that. And so it's interesting how it's affected, I think, for a while, and we still see it now. I think it's a trend that's going to continue where people try to mask their, match their mask to their outfit. Yeah. It's become a whole coordinating, almost, like, not tonal, but, like, a whole outfit aesthetic. It's yeah. like, does it match with it? And we saw that, like, with Christian Siriano's show, mm-hmm. like, all the models' masks, like, either were made of the same fabric of the dress or matched the same color. Yeah. Like, if you think of Coco, she was in this mm-hmm. all red, and she had a red mask on as well. So it kind of, like, has become a form of an accessory. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it'll be interesting how, I guess, long it lasts because, like, I think about the U.S. right now, there's a couple states that have said, okay, you don't have to wear them anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, Texas, Idaho, or the two that I can think of off the top of my head mm-hmm. that are closest to us. And yeah. We, I think Arizona as well. Um, and so it, it'll be interesting to see how, like, those major fashion houses are affected when maybe restrictions go down in their areas of, like, mm-hmm. where they design or where they produce. Yeah. And so it'll be intriguing to see if, like, they keep up with it or if it's only for this yeah. season and the next season we're like, all right, we're back to like a level of normal. We're not yeah. going to make it anymore. It'll be interesting to see how long it lasts. And also I think it weirdly shows the ethics and the like social consciousness, consciousness and like ear to the people yeah. of the designer, because I would think at the least it would be smart mm-hmm. to continue that trend or making Mm -hmm. stuff through the end of this year yeah and then after that probably not in theory because at that point more vaccines should be available it should become more of a thing for people Mm -hmm. to be safer without one but i think it would be smart to continue it at this point yeah so it'd be interesting to see for like this coming fashion week who's gonna do it right again all the way in september Yeah. yeah because i mean that's a couple months away still well several 
And even for us, like, a lot of people around us are getting vaccinated. So It's funny. I was thinking, like, while you were talking about that, how, like, it's almost like masks and then brands becoming more aware Mm -hmm. of, like, their... um, exclusivity in their advertising Mm -hmm. is kind of going hand in hand Mm -hmm. and like brands are being like look we make masks we agree with masks we want everyone to be safe brands are adjusting their marketing to um like like uh h&m like hopefully learning from that situation and learning what what is racial stereotyping and stuff and marketing and um I didn't mean to pick up my phone before when you were talking. I was trying to verify the designer, but I've talked about Diet Prada on here before. And I know them via Instagram, via whatever, Instagram. Yeah. But they have a blog. They have great stories. Oh, yeah. And recently, so one of the founders of Diet Prada is an Asian American woman. Um, Yeah, that's how she... That's that's how she talks about herself in this article because they called out... I was trying to find it, but... Ultimately, they're being sued by... Diet Prada is? Yeah. And, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure it's Dolce & Gabbana. We're not big enough that that's going to come back to bite me. I was trying to verify it, and I just couldn't find it. But they're being sued, like, $6 this million. Dollars. We're just, we just looked. No, this... Yeah, the, the <laughs> brand, Dolce & Gabbana, I was trying to find it. I didn't want to, like, zone out trying to find it. But so they... They're being sued by a They're company. suing them <laughs> because... Diet Prada called out this brand for Dolce. being extremely... Yep, here it is. Dolce & Gabbana seeks $600 million in damages. And this is because Diet Prada called out um, an advertisement for... Literally, it was called, like, the vagina egg. What? But it was this white woman in a I mean, kimono. Exist, yeah. yeah. And it... I mean, the product, whatever. But it was... The most, let me, I don't know the most, but like extremely racist towards Asians. I, the Asian culture, I'm not one specific group. Do you have the they, yeah, I see it. yeah, I if you go this. on Diet Prada, it's, it's like, I have another picture pulled up on Instagram. I need to talk about it. I'm going people out right now for things. But. Yeah, it's like an ad where the, the, this white woman walks out wearing a kimono and then it's just like, so they're being sued for calling, calling them out on this. And making a thing out of it. $600 million to... That's crazy. And bringing it back, the one of the founders is Asian American. Okay, I'm watching so, this really quickly while Nicole's talking. Yeah. Oh my god, it says Kung Fu Vagina. Yeah. That's where it gets bad. Oh no. It gets worse. And, oh. And, yeah. Oh no. This is really bad. This uh-huh. isn't just like a Kill Bill-esque thing. No. These are... um. That girl is ginger. She's not even close. And she's, yeah, wearing I think one of those women looked like she was potentially Asian American mm-hmm. or Asian uh, descendant, let's say. Oh, man. Oh, God. This yeah. is terrible. I'm so... Oh, no. This one woman looks like she could potentially... Potentially. Be from an Asian but like, background. I but think re- that doesn't... Still, it doesn't matter. Right, because I think this is even... This appropriation. <laughs> I know. I can't speak to this as being true, but in, from from so, how I see it, even if they were all Asian women... It's still appropriating. It's... Yeah. <laughs> so, like, to describe what's happening, <laughs> we should put this on our own. We'll put it in our story. Yeah, I'll share it. But, so, basically, it's as if... They were doing a spoof on Kill Bill. Not a good one. But, like, 
And there's all these white women in kimonos, and they're doing kung fu. Racist spoof, for sure. <laughs> they're doing kung it's, fu and kung yeah. fu kicks. And then there's, like, one woman who could potentially be from Asian descent, but she's in a full, almost traditional get-up. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, acrobats, which, whatever, that's fine. Yeah. But they called it the kung fu egg. Kung fu vagina egg. Yeah. They're... The rest of it's not that bad because it's just, like, spoofing on what this does for you. But... Yeah, like, the product itself... The product is whatever, and actually these exist already. Yeah. Like, this is nothing new. But... And and these people being gymnasts and acrobats are totally fine. But the the beginning and the pieces that are cutting to that are... Oh, man. But I think what the acrobats and stuff are doing... Like, there's a huge culture... That has, like, that, oh, man, what's it called? Well, the Asian culture traditionally has a lot of acrobats and gymnasts that come out of it. I don't necessarily know if it's all Asians. I I think it's the, um... But yeah, this we white see this one in a very traditional kimono and what's it called? A, a gia? Like the I'm not sure what it's called. Yeah, I... Um, but she's in full traditional dress, basically. Yeah. yeah. Admittedly, I am not well-versed on... This is so bad. Though. I'm not... <laughs> Just watch that whole thing. I know. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Self-admittedly, I am not well-versed on what makes um, the different cultures within just the, the broad scope of people who are Asian, what makes each of them, like... She looked like, like a, for example, a geisha, though. They almost right. had her dressed as but a geisha. But is that this in within the same, like, country as the kung fu that they're talking about? No. Like, or are they just lumping everything that it Westerners think of Asian lumpy, people? Yeah. Together. I know kung fu originated in a couple of different cultures, but it's yeah, also I don't transcended know. through different cultures. Yeah, but geisha, I don't think you can combine like can, a like a Geishas, geisha with something that has nothing to do I with that. Geisha I was traditionally from Japan, and then it also was in Chinese royalty. Really? So those are two different things, yeah. and I'm sure they were like not interpreted, but shown in very different ways. But that woman is in like very traditional mm-hmm. like, geisha attire, and then on top of it has like the chopsticks and the hair yeah, and all they, of that. So that was, I would be that's really an oof. That's real bad. Yeah. Who's who? What marketing team <laughs> looked know, at that right? and said that's a go? That's a green. Apparently, that's a, you know what? That's a yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, did they not have Ugh. any third party look at that and say, I don't know about this? Yeah. I... Also, they <laughs> are like tan white women. They're like. It's wrong on a lot of levels. It's bad. Yeah. That's, that's, um... And I, I think, like, what we were talking about earlier, like there in, are some things you can do that you can't come back from, and then also the reaction That's a rough and one. suing somebody for pointing that out for $600 million. Well, it's... Um, I guess it falls under defamation of character, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that works for a brand. I thought that was only person to... Pr- I don't know the legal specifics... Yeah. But I believe, and this could be wrong, defamation of character is mostly person to person. And then there's a different one for, like, your business. Like, speaking ill of your business. Because that's, like, general damages. But Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's still under defamation of character. I don't know. That's bad, though. But on top of that... (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how all of that... That's a... I don't think... That's just, like, tone deaf to what's happening. Yeah. That's that's what it's... That's what it shows as a major fashion house. And Dolce & Gabbana is known for, like, basically representing Italian culture and mm-hmm. Italian heritage. And I would almost think, with how affected Italy has been in this whole situation, they would want to lean into that, showing this beautiful heritage and yeah. everything. And 
they went the opposite uh-huh. way and went tone deaf to a culture that has been known for how like hate crimes have gone up. Yeah, I mean, specifically Asian. Asians of all kinds right yeah. now. Like, I think there's a lot to be said when two very, very white women can look at an advertisement like that and instantly see the, like, oh, that's so stereotype and the racism and in it. it's not even the group that's... If, we're not being affected. Yeah. I mean, I'm offended for people. Like, that's right. terrible. But for us, it's... I mean, it that, to Imagine me, says even more, like, how shoot. obvious... I know... If that, if that one, yeah. Like, Actually, we've And that's a whole it. thing, yeah, about... We've talked about the morals of it a little. We yeah. We did an episode on it where it's like, how do you... Because when you're shooting it, you might not think about it, necessarily. Mm-hmm. But then, like, if you got to watch that ad cut before it went out, right, mm-hmm. or as it goes out, what do you do after that? Because... As a model. Yeah, yeah. because... Like, we talked about this with Kendall Jenner with the Pepsi thing. Mm-hmm. She was a model... And a personality. So she got called out as the personality for being like, why'd you do that? That was, yeah. that was dumb. Did you not see that? I have a lot that? of issues with her right yeah, now. Yeah, but like, but... why'd you do that? Did you yeah. not see that? That was dumb. Versus a no-name, like, to the public. Mm-hmm. A no-name model. Like, there's like six of them in that ad. What do you do if you get called out? Because it's like, it's very difficult because... Yeah. You're not a personality. You're not held as much to a public standard. Yeah. But then if you get called out publicly, what do you do? Because a lot of it is signing up with, basically, we've talked about it, with what we get from, like, a casting. It's a small viewpoint of what you probably do on set. It's very much like, okay, this is, we want a woman from this age to this age. Are you acrobatic? Can you do, like, um those women were doing the ribbons mm-hmm. like this and then they also had like the hoop so i bet you there was a separate call for those ladies yeah. and then there's a call for the actual not actual but the models the that are more just like walking ones, yeah. and like doing poses and yeah. talking in the ad so that's a really good point it's like but what do you get from that like they would probably describe it as do? like oh we're gonna do like this kind of asian inspired yeah. shoot this is the product that's that's probably all you get mm-hmm. and then you show up and you shoot your segments, and maybe you get to see a final cut, and then you see, and you're like, oh my god, like it's very, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate. But as a model, being like, I'm not comfortable with that, and pulling out could come back on you yeah. in terms of the brand with them saying like, well, you're not wanting to work with us, da da da, and instead of going like, no, this makes me uncomfortable because mm-hmm. this is clearly, it, yeah. bad. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't really know, like, like what you would do. I, in my opinion, and this is just my it's personal a hard opinion. One, yeah. Like, the white women in that ad that were put into kimonos and to literally, like, to be dressed like that and not walk away is shocking to me. But at the same time, it's I've never position. been in that position. Yeah. What do you do? I like to think, well, I mean, that's also assuming that everybody, A, cares about cultural appropriation, or B, knows enough about it to be aware of it when it's happening. Yeah, you think about it. When, um, when this is appropriating at any time, no matter if there's hate crimes on um, people of yes, Asian yeah. descent or not. But two, I feel like you could go, you could get walked through the steps of it mm-hmm. as like, oh, we're doing like this Asian style thing. And you're like, oh, okay. And you get put in the oven and you're like, oh, okay. And then you get on set and as soon as it starts rolling, I feel like that might be when it hits you, but it's already too late because you're rolling. It's hard to know. And like, then your face is associated with it. It's... It's a really, I don't know. That's a I, difficult one. Yeah, I would be interested if anybody listening has ever experienced anything like that. 
Um, and what mm. did you do? And like, what like, did you learn you from do, it? Like, I've turned down I've maybe turned down two or three things because I was like, I don't think I am the person that should be doing this. Yeah, because um, it's uncomfortable. But we're fortunate in those situations to have like known ahead of time what was coming. Yeah, I mean, there's certain hairstyles that I've that have been suggested where I'm just like, oh, we need to make sure that that's not like. Yeah. Crossing boundaries. And I guess that really just does come down to a personal thing. But like you were saying, some people do live in a bubble and sometimes to no fault of their own. And what if it's a newer model and doesn't quite... Didn't get it. Yeah, it's or hard. Or they can say anything because they're pretty new. So yeah. they're trying to build a name for themselves. And you can't know everything. I'm not you talking can't. about these these models from this specific ad I want to not, yeah, put that in like, a con- like a situation that potentially is controversial, you might not see that it's going to be controversial until it rolls. And yeah. you're like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like, do you call your agency and be like, pull it, look how terrible that is? Like, And can you- they even do that? I don't like, know. Like, yeah, what do you it's... do? Do they basically take back all your income you made from the shoot? Is it a worthwhile? Like, Or do you just get ahead of it and start saying, like, this is about to come out and I don't agree with it, but I am contractually bound. There's nothing I can do. Can you even say that? I don't know. I don't know. That's difficult. But on top of that, I saw this Hmm. yesterday when I was scrolling on Instagram, and I'm not going to say who the brand is, because unfortunately, like, I've worked with them, but, like, I just don't know how to feel about it. So tell me how you feel about this. It's this shirt that's being, like, a Mm t-shirt, and it says, uh, kiss my ass, I've been vaccinated, and it's got a mask with a little, like, cross circle line through it. And it, the caption is to all the mask shamers out there. And I don't know how to feel about that. I think that's horrible. I do too. I was like, do you mean you don't want to wear a mask in public even if you've been vaccinated? Because you still have to. But I also think that that's just like so something for people to wear to not... Like, I don't agree I with know. that at all. I could go right on a shirt that says vaccinated I know. You know, and like I walk saw this around. Yesterday, and I'm not vaccinated. And I took a beat to like read it, and then I looked at who it was from, and I'm not going to say who it's from because I don't think they're a bad person. But like reading that, I want to not think they're a bad person. Nicole just gave me a look. I want to. Oh, not I'm just think, curious now who it is. That's, I that want to not think they're a bad person. Yeah. But it seems very um, stubborn and a little tone deaf for yeah. what's happening right now. I think there's an important factor to taking the idea of a good person out of a particular instance. Because I think that there's a lot that... Um, yeah. I think that there's a lot of different factors as to what makes a quote-unquote good person, and we all have different ideas of that. I think what I it comes know. down to, like, is this... I unfollowed them after that. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. I was like, I think this is an offense where I can't be here anymore. Yeah, I I don't know. I think that that's... It's just like... Up. it's Especially the, with the state they're located in. Well, and they've shown in this, in this area before. Yeah. They're not from this area, but they've right. shown in this area. Um, <sighs> so it's... Um, yeah, so that put me in a position, I'm like, what do I do? Get over yourself, people. Wear the fucking mask. Like, I don't understand. Not more important. Sorry. Like, Not sorry at all, actually. My thought is with mask politics, how you should handle normal politics. Don't share your opinion with everybody. Like, you should really just, like, wait until you have that time where you feel you can. Because at that point, then you're just being a lot. Yeah. And I don't want to talk about it. Like, I don't want I mean, I don't think it should be political at all. It shouldn't, but unfortunately in our country, it has become 
heavily political, which is funny because as someone who experiences people being done with masks every day, it's both sides. Yeah. There's not just one side or the other being shitty with it. It's both. It's just this group of people that have, and from whatever political stance, they could be Democratic, they could be Libertarian, they could who be Republican, knows? they yeah. could be Independent. It's just a group all together in the mix, mix of all of that has decided, no thanks, and they're from all walks of life, mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah, like, <laughs> definitely. It's like... Just the most ignorant, selfish thing, and I just don't think they realize how unintelligent they look. I'm sorry. When I see people, I don't know why I keep saying I'm sorry, because I'm not, but when I see people just, like, ignorantly walking around without a mask on, like, in a store, or you see them, like, constantly taking it off, I'm just like, you are, you're unintelligent. I don't know how else to look at it, Mm -hmm. because you're clearly unaware of the effect that that this could be having on people. It's, like, upsetting that saying something about someone's mask makes you seem like, um... What's a term? Like a Karen? Like, put your mask on. Yes. I deal with Karens (sighs) every day. They don't want to wear... (laughs) Some of them don't want to wear them. Um, We don't want to have to deal with you, Karens. So if you could just stay home... scoffs I've gotten from being, like, you need to put your mask on while you're trying on sunglasses, and they go, ugh! I'm like... It's a state mandate, ma'am. It's also mm-hmm. a company mandate, so you have two rules on top of you. Like, you yeah. can calm down and go walk outside if you want to. <laughs> like, it's the idea of, like, well, I'm fine. I'm only I'm only endangering myself when it's like, no, you're not. Everyone and that employee <laughs> that had to tell you that has probably had to tell other people that same Every day without masks day. on. It's just... I should keep a tally just to be, like, show the level of how many times I say it to it's people. It's just <laughs> selfish. Um, yeah. I can't imagine, um, you know, what's funny is because we work in the creative world and you would, and I think people think that the creative world is very lax sometimes in terms of like being on top of almost like hippie ish. Yes. Yeah. But every, which set, is funny because we're, there's so many type A, like yes, every set I've been on and every shoot that I have seen, everyone is so on top of the mask situation. Mm. It's ridiculous. Actually to kind of bring it to pop culture. RuPaul's Drag Race, mm-hmm. which is airing right now, was shot in this pandemic. And they did a whole episode where nothing happened, but they just showed what it was like behind the scenes. And they were crazy about it. Mm-hmm. They had to, like, hold them up when they were walking. They got COVID tested, like, I think once every week. Like, oh, okay. And they wow. were sequestered yeah. for the amount of time. Like, everybody on that crew wore multiple masks but all of the crew i think they were covid tested once a week or Mm -hmm. it was twice a week like they did it Hmm. on constant there was all this heavy social distancing you can tell with how it's shot now too that like they've distanced the workroom a bunch Mm -hmm. like so that's a group of people that are like almost this level of high creativity that they could be like hippies but they're so on top yeah And they're in a competition show. Because they're just constantly (laughs) scrutinized. Yeah. Like artists, and then if you start breaking it down into minority artists Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth, Mm -hmm. they're already like... You did this thing. How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's frustrating. And, And like, on a not... And on a whole other kind of side of it, just scheduling and logistics, like, parents... Paris ended up having to add an entire day to their schedule and move sense. people around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just due to... Th- not even just, like, having to socially distance and all that stuff, but production has been delayed for major brands because mm-hmm. they can't have as many people working. Yeah. They can't have teams together. You have to be very careful. Yeah. Shooting in a studio, I mean, 
we, I, the last shoot I had was in September, but in Cobalt, the limit at that point was five mm-hmm. people. And it was like five people in your total group. Yeah. And if you have any amount of a large set, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone I worked with wore masks. I mean, I, I wore one until I had to fix makeup and then I, and mm-hmm. I did my, I did my own makeup also at the time too, like, not yeah, that was a, because we were worried about a makeup artist and how, well, they weren't even allowed to for a while. They weren't allowed to. We were worried about safety with them and uh it was just a, a portfolio shoot for a designer to get their portfolio together so i told them if they were okay with me doing my makeup mm-hmm. which they were fine with so but at that point you almost had to choose your level of like okay we don't want to bring in this person because we're worried about exposure with them because their whole life is being next to people right mm-hmm. as a makeup artist so we're like i can do it at home and then that limits our party okay now we're down one person for our party so it's yeah. like all this other logistics involved with shooting and i think just to call Coco, like, on her TikTok, she would show behind the scenes of, like, the Vogue shoot that she yeah. shot. And that was maybe, like, that crew could have been so much larger in real life. She probably oh, yeah. only had, like, four people mm-hmm. plus her. So they've limited so much because they're worried about distancing. She's also pregnant at yeah. the time, so I'm assuming there was more safety in terms of, like, with that, with her exposure. Absolutely. So that's, like, insane. I mean, yeah. It's... it's I see a lot changing for, you know, getting back to quote-unquote normal. Mm -hmm. I know that the ready-to-wear people coming out, like Michael Kors and stuff coming out and showing for Fashion Week, was giving retailers a lot of positivity and, Mm -hmm. like, good things for the future. And the models in most of the shows that I looked through were not wearing masks and really only interacted with each other. And I'm curious how they go about that. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's just they all have to get COVID tested within a certain amount of time or something like that. I don't know. Um, I don't know either if there were restrictions put on that. Because, like, I guess the best situation I could think of, because backstage, I'm thinking the smallest collection, maybe, like, ten models. That's Mm -hmm. the smallest I could think of. Yeah. Um, And then you have your makeup artist as well. So... At that point, I'm like, I guess they could keep all of their masks on the whole time except for, like, eating or drinking. And then hair and makeup could do, like, eyes up. And then at a certain point, they all will have to take it off and do, like, mm-hmm. below that. So I don't know if they did it like that or if they just, like, took know. the risk of letting all of them... I think with models, there is, like... Because if your mask is coming off at all, you're exposed yeah. more so. And so I think... That, that's why I'm thinking, like, I wonder if COVID tests so that the models felt comfortable being maskless sure. around everybody. Um, I wonder if your agency would give you one. A mask? No, like a COVID oh. test. Because it's part of, like, a job. Maybe. It's like a level of, know. um, what would it be? It, it'd be or like, the person, like, who the hired designer. you. Yeah, I don't know. If they would provide I guess it, it just depends. Or did you have to pay for it? Is that, it's like a whole other, like, work safety thing. I feel like you could ask your agency to provide it for you. Models have zero protection, so, you know. I know, but it, from, like, a tax perspective, oh, yeah. you could also probably get it written off as a job expense because you had to do it to get a job. Mm-hmm. But then there's the fun added factor that models are audited 18 times more than yes. any other profession. Yes. Which and is so, so funny. try explaining a COVID test. Well, you didn't have to take your mask off. Anyways, um, so the, IRS. <laughs> the whole other They're thing. Like, why did you write off a COVID test? Yeah, I had to happy get one for a job. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, though. Anyways, yeah. So I 
I see changes and mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of good changes coming even in ways of like um, sustainability because if they're not doing these constant pumping out of collections and pieces I don't think they needed to anyway I don't think so either I think society and culture just started demanding 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 and when they like Mark Jacobs was one of the first ones to say like we're gonna do one big runway a year like one big one mm-hmm. um, and then a lot of discussion around why show fall pieces in the spring because then you lose a lot of excitement around those fall pieces and then you're hustling to make yeah. it exciting. And yeah. yeah. I mean, it all worked really well mm-hmm. when fashion was way more exclusive, when mm-hmm. social media wasn't a thing, mm-hmm. when your exposure to models was in a magazine and you really only got or to maybe see... TV. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, TV. You really only got to see what a brand wanted you to, and then you had to be invited to see the shows and all of that. That, like, two collections a year, that stuff worked for then, but now... The demand of the market. The demand, the transparency, different. the people that, like, everybody wants access to the higher things, and which is great, and brands are starting to accommodate that and, like, come up with lines that are more financially accessible for different people, um, just in terms of, like, where your comfort level lies and what you spend mm-hmm. on things, because mm-hmm. that varies for everybody. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I th- I'm, I'm positive that there will be a lot of good shifts in every direction. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't know. We'll have to see. I don't know how jobs are going to work going forward in terms of modeling because, I mean, I've seen some people work, but from my view, they tend to be, like, I'm not just talking locally, the few models I've seen working right now are at the peak of their game. Mm -hmm. And so people have just exclusively been like, do you want to come do this one show for Mm -hmm. us? We know it's a risk. So I feel like anyone that's been in, like, that middle level has kind of been left out in terms mm-hmm. of work right now. Although work has been non-existent for us mm-hmm. at a certain point too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the shift back and what runways are going to be like mm-hmm. and everything. Cause I almost feel like people were like, okay, well I'm going with the person I trust and know and yeah. think will be okay, which is good. And I understand that, but I think it's put a lot of newer or not even newer, just less established people in certain markets, like out on the edge. Yeah. But they're going to get sick of looking at those same people That's eventually. True. So it'll rotate through, Yeah, but it'll be interesting. Cause there's also in general, probably not as much anymore because a lot of it's going away. There used to be trends in how, what models would be on the runway each year. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like it doesn't, that's not a thing anymore because mm-hmm. of just people are like we just want everybody everybody all the time which is nice but there used to yeah. be a huge like okay this year it's going to be models with really defined brows mm-hmm. no this year it's going to be models with more defined lips like it kind of used to shift a bunch mm-hmm. now i don't think it's yeah because that's hard to do while you're working towards in- like being inclusive i mm-hmm. think but mm-hmm. i don't know i feel hopeful like i finally started over the past month I've been getting sent more and more like castings for New York jobs and also runway opportunities for September out there so I think that there's a lot Mm -hmm. yeah that'd be interesting like a good amount that Mm -hmm. I feel confident in it and I think that there's hope for anybody I think it's just a weirder time and you have to figure out like where it is that you belong that when stuff is ready to shift you can just like pop out you can just go (laughs) be like i'm the safe bet 30 year old and i've been waiting for this opportunity hello that's what (laughs) i'm I'm waiting for (laughs) 
Uh, but I know Nicole's gonna be trying to trying to establish in New York, and I will probably follow yeah, yeah. a little after. You should. Yeah, I'll, I'll tr- make all I'll the connections. Try. <laughs> I'll try my best. And if for nothing else, just come out for Fashion Week and audition and cast and get in them and then leave. Anyways, tell my kids I did it once. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yeah, I leave next week to go. That'll be interesting traveling during the pandemic. Um, But yeah, yeah, I'm excited. There's going to be less pressure for after parties, I guess, too. Mm-hmm. So you really don't have to worry about that, I guess. Yep, yep. It's just going to be probably, like, the show and then you go home. Or you yeah. maybe go get food. Oh, uh, but in 2019, I missed the Christian Siriano after party. And I was, like, so upset. looking forward to oh, that. Oh, I would be upset. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to... I was like, oh, next year. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I mean, maybe but... we could, like, ask Coco. Coco, <laughs> why are you listening? <laughs> She's not listening. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll have big time listeners. Yeah. I don't know. I, um, (laughs) it's, it's going to be interesting. And I think that we're getting a real taste of who loves this field regardless. Yeah. And wants to be in it and belongs in it. Mm -hmm. Um, or feels that they belong in it versus. Yeah. Which is great. I think it's awesome it weeds out to see the some of the people for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's it's actually really great to see some people who thought modeling was their passion actually use this time to figure out like wait, it's not. It's not. Mm-hmm. That or was it fun. really is. Or yeah. yeah, yeah. For me, like I tend to lose motivation around things a lot, and modeling is one thing I've not lost it for. Mm-hmm. And so it's, but it's also been really nice to have a breather. And think things through. Mm-hmm. But also knowing, I mean, nothing might come of it. Things could go right back to how they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, it makes it easier if you're just like, I don't know. It's fashion, whether there's a pandemic or not. It's yeah. a crapshoot. Yeah. <laughs> it's so. still an unknown. It's but, just more unknown because there's yeah. a pandemic. Oh, God. I don't just... know. I'm going to keep encouraging you to come out one time with me. I mean, I would like to. It's just. Uh... And if for no other reason to just go to the shows. Hell yeah. But I um, I think it's a cool time whether you anybody in the industry stays with it or they find a different facet of the industry that they want to be a part of mm-hmm. or, um, yeah. Yeah. Well. Anywho. I don't know how obsession? much more I have to say. I know, oh, yeah, obsessions. Either. Yeah, okay. Yeah, let me think. Oh, I got mine if you need to think. Um, I just got my tattoo. Oh, yeah. I just got a new tattoo. It's my dog's paw print. It's cute. Thanks. I got it on the left, back left of my forearm. Wait, so I was going to ask foot, you. right? Yeah. Am I ready go. for lotion yet? Am I peeling yet enough? I'm on day four. Mm, I don't think you're peeling yet. A little tiny, tiny bit. Then probably not. I can never actually. No, no, they did. (laughs) They did. But just from other tattoos I've had, I know like how much it can vary. And I'm just like, when do I make the transition to the lotion? I didn't peel for a while with my just tattoos. Yeah, yours is thin. Mine's are really thin. Yeah. They didn't peel for until like the end of the two weeks. The two weeks. My the star on the back of my neck. Am I gonna peel? I remember asking my artist. He was like, "Am I just not peel?" It is so thin, though. It's so pretty. But my star on the back of my neck is pretty thick. Like, the outline is kind of thick like this. There's a thicker line, yeah. Yeah. And so this peeled, but it would just healed way faster than... Well, it's small, too. Yeah. But, yeah, my husband got my... So I got, like, my dog, who I had prior 
to him. She is my number one. I got her tattoo on the back of my left forearm. And then Zach got um, Luna, who's our Rhodesian that we got in 2019, her left paw print on his left foot. How did that go? That he, did tattoo, he did great. He did. He didn't stop at all. And that tattoo is fully shaded and and like wow. Yeah, that's impressive. Cause like, I know. Hurts. I and <laughs> I seriously think like he did it because I kept saying like, oh, I hope you cry a little bit. Like I just can't wait to like see you. He doesn't have a piercing. He's never had a tattoo. I was just I like ah, like because I get such an adrenaline rush and all this stuff, that's and he so powered through it so much so that like. The artist who was covered in tattoos, they were like, you've given me hope that I can sit through a foot tattoo. And now I know a lot of people have them and stuff, but it was just... It still hurt. Yeah, he afterwards he was like, that hurt way worse than I thought, and I didn't think I was going to make it through. I was like, but you did. He just didn't show it. He mm-hmm. was just like, oh, no, this hurts. <laughs> He's been... So I've been... Re- I With the yoga stuff and whatever, I've been really into meditating, and I've got him into it. And so I think that's, like, what it took to get through it was to try yeah, and use the him. ideas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so that's yeah. what's happening. I'm just <laughs> healing. It's hard because I teach hot yoga and I'm afraid to start sweating on it again. Yeah, don't they say like a week? Yeah. I mean like a week. Yeah. For, for like heavy activity. Heavy sweating. Heavy sweat. And I do hot yoga, but I can still teach it. It's great. Um, and I don't know why I'm continuing here. What's that's your funny. obsession? <laughs> ghost adventures. Oh, yay. <laughs> I've been watching so much ghost adventures. We haven't had anything spooky on here for a while. I started watching... Okay, so, like, I used to not watch those shows because they would heavily scare me. Mm -hmm. And they still do, but they also intrigue me. And I started watching it again with my boyfriend because he's obsessed with them, Oh, cool. Wait, Ghost Adventures is in Pennsylvania, isn't it? Mostly? Or upstate New York? No, they go everywhere. Oh, okay. It's the Zach Bangins one. There's, like, a bunch of them, but they go everywhere. They've gone to PA a lot, though, because there's a lot there. Yep. Um, But we watch it together now because he gets really into it also, Mm -hmm. which I think is very funny. But um, as someone who's experienced um, things... Actually, I could tell his ghost story because he has one. Do it. Yeah, this is as we end. So, like, my boyfriend's from Pennsylvania... Very, very haunted <laughs> state. Oh, yeah. Extremely, mm-hmm. actually. And We used to drive around and, like, just drive around and see if we could see ghosts in people's yeah, windows. Yeah, okay, he did the same thing. Oh, really? Like, not the drive ghost windows, but, but go to places. Mm-hmm. So, there, he had, I don't think he still has this recording, but okay. he was out at this train yard by his house. Not by his house, I think in his hometown, where I guess there was, it doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, abandoned railroad situation because... There was a huge train crash that a bunch oh, of people passed away yeah. at. I don't know all the details of it, but yeah. I guess him and these, his friends were like fucking around down there and started playing. They were like recording on their iPhone, so like mm-hmm. it was kind of an EVP, but not really. And they were just standing there like doing whatever, and they listened back to it, and you could hear like a train horn <gasps> in it. And they're not, and obviously there's nothing. That's creepy. That. And I was like, yeah. and he's like, and when we heard that, we left. I was like, well, duh, like that's my. Also, he was in the military, and this one is worse. Okay. <laughs> there's I have two. <laughs> Where did this next one take place? He was um, so he was stationed at White Sands in New Mexico, okay, which is the largest military base in terms of square footage but it's the smallest population huh. because it's a testing site it's, oh, really te- oh, okay. it's like right okay. where they tested the h-bomb it's right oh, okay. it's right there um hmm. so he was part of housing so they would like refurbish buildings okay. on the property to like make them good for either dorms or whatever whatever they did i don't know 
But he was in this one building that was not abandoned, but empty. They hadn't been used in. They were, like, fixing it up. And so he had to go through and, like, you know, check everything. Mm -hmm. Basically a form of contracting. And so he was in it one night, and he was going through, like, turning all the lights off in, like, every room. And he was standing on one level, and he heard a woman scream. Like, at the, like the top of her lungs, like, screech. And he instantly left and got the hell out and, like, turned everything off. And then I think he was asking the few other maintenance staff that was allowed in there if they heard that. And he and someone to him was like, oh, yeah, I don't like being in that building alone because you can just mm. hear a woman scream. That's scary. And um, there's also a room on one floor, which I don't remember what floor it was, but it was room 11. So mm-hmm. he'd go through and turn all the lights off in every room at the end of the Like, this was his closing thing. Yeah. And then he'd leave. Every time he would leave, like, lock the door, like, no one else could get in besides him and, like, maybe two other staff members. Mm-hmm. Um, that light would still be on in that room and it would turn back on on itself and so he looked into it and unfortunately there's been a couple of suicides Mm -hmm. on the base and drug overdoses but it's not sure if they've happened in that building or not Hmm. but it's interesting to me because he was in the army and that's a branch that women tend to not go into because it's not the best for them usually usually tend to go like air force or navy it's Mm -hmm. just better as a woman in terms of job opportunity and like honestly how you're gonna be treated yeah which Um, is fucked up so hmm. it's interesting to me because like I'm wondering if one took place there. Yeah. But like you can just hear a scream. And it's not just him. I guess like other people who worked in the building. And I was like, that's insane. That's scary. Right? So yeah. there's your ghost corner. While I talk ghost about corner. ghost adventures because I've watched it a lot recently. And it's great. Also, it's funny to me how broy they all are mm-hmm. when they hear stuff sometimes. They're like, whoa, dude, did you hear that? Like their reactions are sometimes the best. Uh, like, that's funny. Like whatever oh. however you believe in it or not, if you think they're like faking it the whole time or if they get legitimate things, which I feel for the most part they get legitimate things, there are sometimes with the technology they use, I don't understand what it's supposed to be telling me. Mm. But it re- reacts in some it way. It does something. It reacts in some way where they're like, that's a spirit. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm confused on how this is supposed to tell me that, but okay. But sure. <laughs> so that one, I'm always like, I don't know about that. Some of it, but I legitimately believe, I'm going to say like 70% of it. And so it's funny though to sit there and watch all these dudes go like, whoa, dude, like their reactions are so <laughs> funny uh, sometimes. They'll be like, bro, did you hear that? Did you hear that? And I'm like, it's just a bunch of bros running around with cameras hunting for ghosts. Really, that's what it is. But they're pretty legitimate in yeah. my eyes, but it's still so funny. It's really cool, like, too, I think. They act like a bunch of frat dudes sometimes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Nerdy ones. Nerd frat dudes. It's cool, I think, to watch on the different shows, like, when they go through the places, like, the cameras, and when they're, like, old abandoned places, like, old There's hospitals. Actually, and you can... do you want a fun fact about where we are? Yeah. I didn't know this until I was watching Ghost Like where we are right now? Not in our current location, but in like the Pacific Northwest. Okay. So there's a town in Oregon called Astoria. Yeah. Um, It's on the coast. It's it's a beach town. Yeah. It actually has one of our only, I think, military bases in Oregon. It's like got a naval. No, there's... Oh, Oregon. Never mind. I was thinking of Washington. No, Washington. Oregon, it's got a naval training base. Which makes sense. Um, That town was built on tunnels. And so there's tunnels underneath all of it. Because it was built kind of like how the Netherlands was built, where they, like, like drained out part of the land because it's an ocean city, right? Okay. And so it's built on top of all these wood tunnels because it was, like, 
basically like beams that everything would stand on above the water. Oh, wow. Um, and so if you go under Astoria, there's all these abandoned tunnels, which were like kind of Shanghai tunnels yeah, also. Yeah, which is in Portland. Which, uh, so Shanghai is when like people would be kidnapped and put on the boats to work and it's like yeah. terrible, terrible history. But they would do that there. But also it was built by Chinese immigrants and they were forced to live in those tunnels. Oh. So that's insane. I did not know that living yeah. here. And all that, they're all like old wood ones. There's some concrete ones. So they like did a ghost adventure where they explored those tunnels. And they're all like under these cute little businesses. Like they went into this butcher shop in a story that was clearly like family owned. Yeah. Has been there forever. And this woman goes, no, come on, you got to see it. And she walks them back to their door. Because it's just a door off their business that you can walk right into this tunnel. Like, they're not really, like, gated off at all. Like, they're at the back of every business door almost, or, like, theaters. And she opens it, and she's like, I hate going in here. Pretty sure someone died right there. Here you go. And then they just go, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's insane. That's so crazy. So there is some history, because they do do research. So there's history involved in it. I had no idea about a story that they was built on tunnels. Because I knew we had Shanghai tunnels in Portland. Yeah. I didn't know that they had a whole city of tunnels in Astoria. Which I didn't even know they built, like, towns on still the water like that. Yeah, I didn't I mean, Pennsylvania is landlocked, so, you know. Yeah, so there you go. It's extra huh. stuff. <laughs> I love Astoria. Can you go tour them? I don't know. They didn't really say because it sounds like... And the footage you could see, because this was a, this was like a relatively recent season. Okay. I think it was like 19 or 20 and they're on 23. So it's relatively oh, okay. recent. It hmm. seems like they're, they were literally abandoned. So there's still like crap in them. There's oh. stuff from when people lived there in them. There's like sinks. Weird. So it seems like they have Sinks? That would be such a weird thing to come upon in mm-hmm. an underground tunnel. So it seems like they haven't been cleaned out to the point not cleaned okay. out or even in a like put up to a safety code or preserved enough to where you could walk people through like a section of it like uh-huh. i think of like the catacombs in france how they like kind of oh. clearly like gated off a chunk for a tourism part that they had security in mm-hmm. because they're accessible through a lot of paris because there's just like door drop down mm-hmm. doors but Weird. they like had a part that they would show to the public i don't think they do anymore actually but mm. Astoria's not done that, because even in this episode, and who knows if it's staged, but at one point, the floor is, like, kind of beat up, and, like, one of them falls into, like, a little bit of a hole, like, their foot falls through the ground, because (laughs) it was, like, old wood Hmm. or, like, old concrete that just crumbled at one point. So I don't think they're safe, and I don't adore it. Yeah, Astoria doesn't need that either. They don't they need don't, people flocking to just walk through tunnels. Like yeah, well, like here in Portland with the Shanghai tunnels, they're accessible through a couple of businesses, but I think there's only like one bar that I remember where, as part of the tour, you go through the bar. Yeah. And go into the door hmm. because they've like it's been a preserved thing now as like a historical site. So they just know that that's part of the business. As part of a tour. Interesting. I think. Because otherwise a story is like no, 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 no. And they just like close all those doors and they've only, I think they only let paranormal people in. Like they've let a couple other paranormal investigators in but that's it. Crazy. Which is crazy. Yeah. I didn't even know that. So you know, learning. Learning and I know. All I can (laughs) think of is the Ape Caves tunnel. Like the Ape Caves. Mm -hmm. And if it feels similar to that at all. I don't know. 
It's the if you just look up footage of it because yeah. you're watching a natural episode. They're season insane. twenty of Ghost Hunters. It's, it's like one of the one or in there. Nineteen. Okay, yeah, it's one of those because they do a three part of Astoria because Astoria is a very haunted town. Ooh. Apparently, I want to watch that and then go to Astoria because there's also like a military base, so there's a lot of stuff yeah. that happened with that one apparently. So they do like three episodes for Astoria. I think it's season nineteen because I remember texting okay. my boyfriend about it, being like, "You've never." been to Oregon but look at this like look at this oh but I guess I could just google it too and figure it out I yeah. want to watch those but I didn't know like Astoria was so they did for it which is crazy it's... I love Astoria now I want to look up the haunted places and I want to go back one it of... totally has this like spooky feel it's... to it I could tell you what they are one of them is the old commander's house of the military base which is no longer in commission I think now it's like a weird bread and, <laughs> and breakfast oh. and then there was a part of the military base, which is not part of the currently active one. Mm-hmm. I think it was an older one. Because there's an active one and there's an old one. I don't know the difference between the two or mm-hmm. if they're on the same grounds, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a piece of it, which is these old, um, like, machine gun tunnel houses. Okay. That supposedly got some really dark history with it, with the death of mm-hmm. a soldier. So they did that. They did the old commander's house and they did the tunnels. Those are the three episodes. Okay. So they go, like, all over a story. Yeah. Which is great, and it's super cute. Like, it's, and a story is also, like, besides the haunting, a very cute coastal town. It to, really like, is, yeah. You it's know? very well... It, it's like You well feel like preserved. you're stepping back. Yeah, yeah that's what I was like going to say. It's been kept up with the historical buildings. And then Fort, jo- Fort George Brewing is there. Mm-hmm. And you can go, and they have um, the glass floors where you can look at the sea lions. <gasps> Wait, is that Astoria? I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's Astoria. I've never been to Astoria. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, pretty sure it is. I think I've driven through it one time in the really? whole time I've lived in this state. Uh, well, because from, from Portland, it's kind of like a two-hour drive, maybe three like I guess it is cause funny because like, it's like the top of the state. Yeah. Like that TV and top corner over there. It makes more sense because like I'm not from here. So of course we go out and like venture around. Like I know. I want to go there now with Adam yeah, because of how obsessed he is with haunted stuff. So Fort George Brewing in Astoria. There you go. Really good place to go like eat and have some beer and look at the, look um, at the sea lions. <laughs> sea lions and then you can branch out. It's like right on the water. Um, oh, that's pretty. And then they have great antique stores they do that's my favorite thing about this was just organ side topics <laughs> yeah well i mean if you are a frequent listener you know that we, we like ghosts. ghosts um and we can't really talk about what ghosts do as models so do you think they keep it up in the face? <laughs> right. they don't <laughs> they're like oh i gotta keep my measurements <laughs> I mean, I gotta uh, shave an inch off my hips. Look, there could be a whole other world. Yeah, just literally shave it off because you're, you're a ghost. That's so terrible. Oh, uh, man. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll get into the paranormal fashion. Do you think that's a thing? No. I don't think it's a thing. Okay. Well, before we tangent again, yeah. Um, thanks for listening. Yeah. It's gonna be a long one. It's a, it's a long one, but it's been a long Time. eight years slash pandemic eight years <laughs> like, what do you mean eight it years? just gets longer every time i think about it oh yeah but but yeah, yeah uh thanks we'll thanks. be posting more slowly we'll so be back an eye out. <laughs> and um bye, bye. <laughs>